0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's 30 days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping
1: now. Okay, Brindle up the middle.
0: Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 242nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chilling here in Beavers in Oregon. And before the show, Dustin and I were uh, kind of complaining about how hot it is in a in our PDX houses and apartments. Yo, the 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 sun's brutal when you're on that third floor, and it's like a damn oven.
0: I mean, anything over like 72, and I'm like sweating. I I, I do not do well in the heat. Normally, the Portland springtime is my happy place. It has been, it's gorgeous. Do not get me wrong, but. Your boy is ready for some Rip City rain, and uh, I, we, we, we could use some. So if you hear a little background noise, apologies. Sage has his fan going. I am sitting next to the window. I got to get some some air circulating through here because we are here recording 1042 p.m. Saturday night. I would rather be no other place than with you, my friend, talking about Portland's Game 1, 123-109 victory in Denver to take a 1-0 series lead against the Nuggets. Sage, favorite thing you saw tonight?
1: There was a bunch of plays in the third quarter where we attacked the matchup that is going to be there the entire series, and that's one of our dynamic guards against Michael Porter Jr. It worked in the third quarter it needs to be the first line of attack every time that he is in there. He isn't going to play defense at the level that is needed. And we have three guards that can break down the defense. So when I saw Dame hit him with that 2K21 escape dribble Damian Lillard move, I was like, oh, this is not going to be a fun quarter for Michael Porter Jr. So attacking the weakness of the other team for a full quarter – was my favorite part of the game, but I want it more. I, I need to see that half of our possessions need to be based off one of our perimeter players breaking
0: off Michael Porter Jr. when he is in. The, the best thing I saw, and we're going to get to Damian Lillard, and Dame was absolutely incredible, but the best thing I saw was the Blazer bench. I thought they absolutely saved our ass in that first half when we came out of the gate slow. In particular, it was Carmelo Anthony and Anthony Simons. Uh, They combined to put up 32 points off the bench. They shot the ball incredibly efficient. You're looking at 11 of 18 from the field and 8 of 13 from downtown. Uh, They were simply sensational uh, they 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 did everything that you needed to do to allow Damian to do the things that he did. Carmelo was a perfect escape pass. He was hitting those threes. Uh, Anthony Simons came in, didn't even hesitate. As soon as I saw Ant hit his first shot and Carmelo hit his first shot, I was like, it's going to be a long night for the Denver Nuggets because – Those two players are so vital and and critical to our success. I mean, we only played eight guys, and Ennis, you're never really going to count on for a huge scoring output. So for those two players, it's so great to see them both on opposite uh, ends of the spectrum in terms of their playoff career. You have Anthony really making his playoff debut, like really getting playoff rotation minutes, and Carmelo uh, in his 18th season. Uh, j- just that that grizzled vet coming back to the, the place where it all started, and really letting them know, hey, I, I still run this shit. So it was a beautiful sight to see the Blazer bench come up and and deliver because we do not win this game, or it is maybe another you know down to the wire uh, contest if they don't produce how they did because we didn't really get great Powell Covington or McCollum offensive outbursts that that we're used to seeing. So just to see the, the, you know, the diversity and, and the, the plethora of options that Portland has on offense, um, it, it was it was magical. I thought they took fantastic shots within the offense. And it's just gotta be a backbreaker because you think if, if you're Portland and you're defending the Nuggets, whenever you saw maybe Campazzo or Rivers or Monty Morris, uh Paul Millsap, if if they were to have hit those shots at that clip, th- that's just that kills your spirit. So to see Portland's role players come up in the big stage on the bright lights and deliver like it, like it was, you know, second nature, absolutely beautiful to see. And uh, I I thought that was something we talked about on our playoff preview that, you know, we, we thought they were going to have big series and so far so good.
1: In the second rotation with mellow Ant, and Dame on the court, It was either a Denver double, but it kind of looked like a zone where whenever Dame touched the ball, they zoned up and kind of blitzed. To have Ant and Mello there to break the blitz or break that double and be the release valve was huge. And the fact that they were shooting confidently, it made the Denver defense have to say, nah, we can't do this type of doubling mechanics on Dame if Mello and Ant, who are, you know, Secondary options offensively are draining threes at this clip. We can't afford to do it. And then Dame had the aggression to take on that so- single coverage on on Composo or whoever else. So it was it was really impactful for the team in general to have Mello and Ant shooting that well because it dictated so much offensively. Like you can't you can't double Dame. If his secondary options are hitting, you just can't, it's bad. It's bad basketball.
0: And Carmelo Anthony thrives on open catch and shoot Mm -hmm. threes. I mean that blazer fans have been calling for those mellow shots all season long. And Sage, to be honest, as soon as I saw mellow get up off the bench for his first shift, I could hear the booze coming down, even in the limited capacity crowd in Denver. I was like, okay, M- Melo, if he gets an open look, it's going in. And, and I was watching him on his release. I wasn't really even watching the ball go through the net. I could just tell as he was backing up, holding the ball through, I was like, oh, that's net, sure enough, it goes in. And he was feeling it. And then he got, you know, a little and one action. It's just, when he gets it flowing, you know, we talked about it just two days ago. The Blazers play well. They play better when Carmelo plays well. And so that, that is such a huge Theme, I think over the course of this series is which role players are going to step up because we saw tonight that both stars really came to play. You've got Jokic going for 34 and 16 Dame going for 34 in a playoff career high 13. They did what you expect those stars to do. So it's going to be the supporting cast that I think really defines the series. But one thing I want to touch on Sage This is something, again, we talked about. Let Jokic get his, but don't let him play Magic Johnson, play LeBron James, and get others involved. He was held to one assist. That is a season low. In Portland, it felt almost like, so for Blazer fans that remember the 2014 series against Houston, we went in there and we stole game one, coming back from 13 down. Houston's probably thinking, okay, like we're we're amped. They forced fed Dwight Howard the basketball to start game two. Robin Lopez was just on an island. We let them have that. We did the same thing here with Jokic. He was hitting some Dirk-type fadeaways. He was trying to play bully ball, uh, hit a couple of contested threes. I was okay with the attempts that he was getting, even though he was scoring, because it felt like a prize fight where you just kind of rope a dope, and you just wanted to wear him out. And I, I didn't think it was sustainable, and we didn't send the double so you could get some of those role players going. And it happened for Portland. The opposite happened. They doubled in. We got our role players going. And then you kind of see how the game unfolded. So Sage, I want to get your thoughts on how Portland decided to defend Jokic. And if Terry won, if if, if Michael Malone is going to adjust and how you think Terry may be thinking a step ahead.
1: I think, I think that, yeah, you explained it really well. Like it was a, it was it was one of those, we can't let Composso or Austin or whoever. Have, Marcus Howard. Yeah, have transcendent games. It needs to be from Joker. And he, he there was a body on uh, Nikolai Jokic the entire game. It was it was Yusuf and it was Ennis. They were putting pressure on him. And so he had to exert energy. I mean – it was kind of like, you, you have to beat us. You have to beat us. You're the MVP. You have to beat us. And it just made the passing angles really difficult when you're not, when our blazers aren't digging defensively to try and get the steal, we're just there. It's hard to pass out. Like when there's no spacing because of your individual creation, it's really hard for you to get assists. And I think that was really smart. Mike Malone and that Denver team, I think will adjust and maybe run other actions. What Joker's doing ends up being sustainable. Then we have to adjust. I think it's going to be a, a series of adjusting to the adjustments made. So I know Terry Stodd's has had a difficult past of adjusting, but round one was a huge dub for the Portland Trailblazers.
0: If you think of it, like those old nebraska college football teams where they ran that triple option and if they ever got a lead it, it was it was lights out because they were just chunking yardage that the clock's ticking down there's there's no way to catch up if Jokic is able to be defended one on one and Den and, and either a we're not hitting our shots or b denver is forcing turnovers That's going to be kind of like what Nebraska used to do to opponents because Jokic is that good that he can score on an island. So in a way, I think how we produce offensively is going to predicate how we want to defend Jokic because if we fall behind, we may have to get a little bit more aggressive and try to force a turnover. And again, there's a risk reward in that. However, if we're hitting our shots, we're able to make Denver pay for their mistakes. I think Terry Stotts, rightfully so, is probably going to go after the same strategy and say, stay home on Aaron Gordon. If he wants to shoot a three, that's fine, but do not let him cut to the basket, get dunks, no backdoor lobs. Absolutely stay home on Michael Porter Jr. Do not let him catch fire. He has the ability to be a flamethrower. There's other players that you might want to take a chance of that, but then again, you don't want them to get into a rhythm and I don't think any of their other shooters really felt comfortable so this may be the best strategy I mean I, I look at how great Jokic was in how poor Portland played defense really in, in that first half we only we, 109 points 109 points that, that's really not bad the first
1: half I was scared that they were gonna let Aaron Gordon run wild or you know Michael Porter Jr. run wild and then you know, negative regression hit him really hard in the mouth with Aaron missing a bunch of easy bunnies and Michael Porter going like one for 10 from three was huge. Yes. That's awesome. I mean, it, it, it kind of is a math problem. Like how much Joker points in efficiency are you willing to give up before you adjust? We don't know what that number is. We're going to see what it is eventually. Like what, What does he have to do to force us to change? And obviously our offense, like the fact that we can set up defensively was huge. Like us shooting well made it so the the Denver Nuggets don't have transition buckets, which let's be honest with our team is a huge bugaboo. I'm sorry for stealing your language there, but it was a huge problem with us in transition with the, with us scoring at a really really high rate it allows us to set that defense and when a defense is set it's a lot harder to abuse so offense leads to good defense defense leads to good offense I think all of us know that know that uh what's what's going on there so
0: two things I liked how we defended Jokic and uh, a key in continuing that throughout the series one Yes, he had 34 points and did that on 52% shooting. Incredible. But when you really dive into the numbers, you see he had to take 27 shots to get those 34 points. That means one, he was not efficient from three, three of seven. You know, he he can hit that shot. So I like to keep that volume down. Two, he was limited at the free throw line, only going three of four. So if he's gonna score 34, but take 27 to get that, that's a lot of usage. He had almost a yeah, he had almost a 40% usage for this game, the highest of any player on either roster. And how Portland is able to continue this is if Yusuf Nurkic can stay out of foul trouble. There, there is a distinct difference when Nurk was in the game versus when Ennis Cantor was in the game defending Jokic. So the biggest key stage, it may not matter what Denver does, can Yusuf Nurkic one stay out of foul trouble, and two, be a threat on the offensive end to finish the basketball, much as he was in that second half. Making Jokic play defense, exerting even more energy, is going to be just a bear for him to do. Nurkic was so efficient tonight. You were looking at 16 points, 7 of 10 shooting, doesn't attempt a three, which I love. Uh, hit two of his three shots from the foul line. Does Yeomans work on the glass, 12 rebounds. The best stat though. Five assists, zero turnovers. Uh Nurkic really came out in that second half a different beast, looked much more locked in, finishing with dunks, finishing with finesse. Uh, that is the Bosnian beast we are going to need. And, and honestly, I will take that trade-off. If Jokic is going to have that game, but Nurkic is going to have this game, that is a Blazers dub every day of the week.
1: What scared me about the Blazers in the early fourth quarter was Joker was out, but the Nuggets were consistently scoring. And our offense was kind of in a lull because it was a lot of quick jumpers that led to transition points. And it kind of worried me that are we really going to keep Dame on the bench to like the six minute mark? There's a distinct advantage we have with Dame on. And y- Usovan and Nikola Jokic off. And I was I was really happy to see that. I mean, it was a longer rest than I think all of us were hoping for. But he did put Dame in, and that we had like a minute and a half of Dame on Joker off. And I, I think that's that's going to be big is finding the balance between resting Dame enough for him to be efficient. And taking advantage of the Nuggets not having that secondary ball handler, that secondary usage monster, you know, when he's out, that offense of the Nuggets is just kind of stagnant.
0: I mean, that's the beauty of making the the playoffs instead of having to play in the play in Portland gets five days off of rest. Yes, we're back out at Monday, but then you don't play until Thursday. So you get much more time so you can play Dame 40, 41 minutes. And I think we, we really need to discuss just how impactful that he was. He he created 66 points tonight. That mm-hmm. is, that is a, a playoff career high for Damian Lillard. He scored or assisted on 24 of Portland's 38 third quarter points. There was a run in particular where Denver got it up to nine in the third quarter. Then Portland went 11-2, uh, capped by a uh, Damian Lillard three. He just looked like unstoppable i mean denver when we talk about the sage denver does not have the horses to kind of throw to kind of buck him off Mm -hmm. like dame is going to do what dame wants to do and even in the first quarter i think it was the first possession he gets a wide open three it doesn't go in like if dame it's crazy to think he had 34 points sage 13 assists he still shot 10 of 25 from the field Uh, He gets to the line nine times and hits all nine, as Dame does. But as those numbers become more efficient, as we know he can be, because a lot of those looks were fantastic, Denver's got to be thinking, I don't, you know, pick your poison. Because we've seen if Mello and Ant are hitting their shots, if Covington's hitting, if Nurkic is finishing on the roll, there's really not a lot of things Denver can do. Now it becomes Portland, this is your series to win, go out there and just execute.
1: Dame wasn't efficient. CJ wasn't efficient. We can talk about the ball sticking in his hands quite a bit. There were plays where he was just fantastic with his offense and creating space with, with the dribble moves for really open shots, but the ball stuck a lot. Norman Powell probably had his one of his worst games in his career as a trailblazer. So just think, those three main scores. Offensive players didn't have that great a game. And we still won. Shout out to the bench for being that constant producer of points with Ant Ennis and Carmelo Anthony.
0: And even though CJ was inefficient, 21 points on 20 shots, I do want to give him credit for in that first half attacking the basket. I think mm-hmm. he had three three possessions where he just went right to the paint got easy layups, knew the jumper wasn't flowing. And again, if you're Denver, you're probably thinking, Oh, we could play better. But then you kind of, you're right. You look at the box score and say, well, shit, CJ was inefficient. Norman Powell was three of 11, was a a non-factor Covington, you know, only took five shots had eight points. Yeah. They were big, big buckets, but he could even get, you know, a little bit, you know, cooking more. So, there's a, a lot to be said for for both squads and, and the improvement that they could see I think the ceiling though is just so much higher for this Portland team versus this current iteration of the Denver Nuggets
1: how perfect does Joker need to play for them to win a game like he they have to hit the the highest of high high ceilings for them to win. game against us we have a lot more margin for error comparative to them so i i feel we we saw tonight Mm
0: -hmm. we we saw that margin of error tonight
1: yeah i mean shit like yeah no monday normans and, and cj could be really efficient and could give that defense a whole lot more problems this was a very good day very good game for dame to just show that I am that dude. I am nice. I am going to be that MVP candidate that can carry. He did get a lot of help from our bench, but I I, I think when you were talking about the run in the third quarter, I think that was when Dame was just attacking Michael Porter Jr. At, at, at will. I really think that at the end of the day, that is going to be the matchup that we just have to take advantage of. Because in that, in that run, we just forced that switch. And – Teams have done that to us many times when we're, when we're, we have a less than stellar defender and the teams will run, pick and roll, run, pick and roll, and run, pick and roll until they actually get the matchup that they want and then attack. Blazers need to do that in this series and it's going to be a very good thing for the Portland Trail Blazers.
0: I mean, we saw last year in the bubble, both Los Angeles and Utah played Porter off the floor by, by mm-hmm. attacking him. So, that, that is exactly the matchup Portland needs to see. And Sage, we've talked about things that went well and that we liked. Where are some areas of improvement or aspects of the game where you're like, Portland, Aggression and rebounding. What are you doing? Yes. Aggression so you said, and rebounding. You said aggression and rebounding. And that was one of my talking points as well. I thought Portland was incredibly lackadaisical out of the gates. It honestly yeah. looked like they thought it was like a preseason game. Uh, Denver killed us on the boards. That was a theme that we saw late in game two in that 2019 series. And that really carried over throughout the rest of that seven game series. They were just relentless on the offensive glass and Portland was kind of, kind of stuck in quicksand. Didn't know really what they wanted to do. Uh, I thought the communication on defense was abysmal. Uh, can can you talk about that a little bit more, Sage? I mean, I, I just would have expected with five days off, you're familiar with this opponent, you just played them, that you would have tightened that up a bit, known what you were going to do in certain situations. Uh, how does a team with, with rest and a veteran squad just kind of come out like that and really not know their assignments? Denver
1: does not have guard depth. They just don't. It's it's the quality of their guards currently just isn't up to par compared to what we have, but a big rotation of Joker, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Jr. Jamichael green, Paul Millsap, those five big men playing, you know what they have a lot of beef. So what we need to do the entire game is gang rebound. I don't want to see someone who isn't a good creator run the break. So, If you're not Damian Lillard, box out. Because we are completely and totally undersized. I think in the fourth quarter, we stepped up the aggression rebounding. Nurkic, I think him blamming and getting hyped was a huge reason why that aggression in the, the second half was tilted in our favor. But I think what we have to do as a team is team board since we are so much more undersized we're more skilled than they are but beef and strength and rebounding can dictate games so i think it has to be taught that this is a team rebounding game and i think carmelo anthony because of his size is going to be really big because he can also he can actually match up with you know any one of those wings when we're running our small guard lineup saying norman powell box out and try and get the rebound I mean, Aaron Gordon could just reach above him because he's just so much taller. I think, but I think the team rebounding thing is going to be a huge sticking point.
0: A couple of points on that, and, and I completely agree. You mentioned gang rebounding. We saw again back to that 2019 series. CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. McCollum especially really Game put his Gordon. body out there, and he was boarding. He was getting games of six, eight, mm-hmm. nine rebounds, and did he get he six? Re- really making a difference. I have the box score up right now. Let me take a look. So CJ McCollum, he did end up with, with six rebounds. And, and I think that's one thing that Portland, you know, if we talk about wanting improvement, I think they showed it in, in the second half, uh, Denver, I believe was held uh, to just two second chance points in the second half. They had they had 15 in the first half. Uh, Portland got back more in transition. Uh, Denver had seven fast break points in the first half, zero in the second half. And and overall, you know, Portland needs to really look at the rebounding numbers. They gave up 11 offensive rebounds, 48 rebounds total. Denver had, uh, they out-rebounded us by nine. And going into that arena and stealing game one, you know Denver is, they're playing for their playoff lives essentially in game two. So they're going to come out even more hungry more scrappy and they're going to fight and, and claw and scratch and do whatever it takes. Portland absolutely has to match that energy mm-hmm. and intensity. Like this is, you You talk about having a mature team, you talk about wanting to advance in the playoffs and just kind of, you know, been there, done that Portland absolutely has to kind of, you know, put their money where their mouth is. And go out and play a full 48. Like I, in a sense, I feel like we kind of uh, played with fire a little bit and got away with it. I saw a lot of old habits from, from losing streaks and um, upsets that occurred to us in the regular season really follow us into that first half of, of basketball. But because we were more talented that the talent outweighed, you know, those habits. So I, I hope they have some self-awareness when they watch film and aren't just happy getting one game it's it's as they say it's time to get greedy and go out and take denver soul snatch it from them and say this is our series we are going to dictate how it goes so i I think if you're looking for a theme it's going to be can can denver the i would say the less talented undermanned team can their their will and scrap and heart is that going to be enough for for portland's overall talent and you you would hope it wouldn't be Portland really needs they need to find their inner grit play desperate as Dame Dame says so um, good victory but uh, I think there there is still you know that that's a good thing I tweeted out Portland played their C plus game and still won by double figures on the road like that's scary if you think about it from a Nuggets perspective because you're thinking we got this performance from Jokic Porter still had a good stat line It, it, it wasn't good enough but Sage, I, I want to ask you, going into game two, what are some adjustments that you're making if you're Terry stops?
1: I think you start out with a very similar strategy. And I, th- I don't know if it's – I think it's adjustments in game that's going to be the biggest issue because I think we had the right strategy for t- playing this particular Denver Nuggets team without Jamal Murray. So it's adjusting to what denver does like i i think making joker just a pure score is the best strategy for this team you can't allow that the these secondary and third scorers to feel comfortable it's, it's their gym they shoot their you know normal year 42 games right or 41 games so you can't give them that comfortability so i think what we will do for the first part of the game is play it. So Joker is just a pure score. And if he just is too efficient or some, something that is not right with the team, I think it's about adjusting in game. So, uh, but I I think that the, the, the rebounding is going to be huge. I, I would love for us to play with that energy. Like this team, Denver is just, they just have to make the game dirty. They have to make this as ugly as humanly possible. You saw possessions by the Blazers, like five of the top 10 possessions of the year were in this game. We played a beautiful brand of ball movement basketball. If we can continue to play like that, they're in trouble. But if they make it so dirty that we have to match that that energy, I I hope the talent can just we can just out talent them. Cause if they play with the desperation that I think Mike Malone is telling them that they need to play with, we have to match that energy.
0: Clearly, I think you hit the nail on the head energy, what would be my number one key. But other things I would like to see is get Nurkic involved early and often, whether that's initiating offense or finishing with with, at, at the pick and roll. He's just a different player when he is involved. You see it in his body language. You see it on on the defensive end of the floor. There's just a swagger around him when he makes impacts, tangible impacts. So I I would look to do that. And if you're able to, A, tire Jokic out, or B, maybe pick up a couple of cheap fouls on him, even better. Also, Norman Powell's been on this roster for about two months now. There have to be some specific sets that get him the ball, whether he's spotting up or moving into the corner for a three or getting a dribble handoff that he has a direct line uh, to the basket to get to the to get to the line. Like, I would love to see Portland find a way to get Norman Powell more involved. You know, Damon CJ, um, they're an institution here in Portland. They are going to find their ways to score regardless of how the game is going. They just know this offense. The Blazers go as Dame and CJ go, but Norm as the new guy, I would like to see him get going early as well. Find him in in a rhythm because, again, the more players you have that are hot, the less attention is going to be on Dame, which is just a disaster for the Denver Nuggets. Um, I don't want to see Portland fall in love with the three. I thought they did a really good job for the most part in game one. They were 19 of 40 from downtown and I thought a lot of those looks were just so wide open due to the personnel that Denver has at their, you know, expense. But you did see in that fourth quarter, Carmelo pulled up a really quick three and then Denver was making their run. Like no regular season threes, catch and shoot off of dribble drive. Dame can kind of do what he wants to do because he's Dame. And when he's hot, you just kind of let him cook, but value the possession and make sure different teammates are touching the ball. And lastly, do not get overconfident. Yes, it's great you took one, but I think you have a chance to really make a statement in game two. Don't forget that even though this Denver team is undermanned, they still have the heart of a team that came back 3-1 twice last year. The only team that has done that in a a single playoff series, uh, playoff run, excuse me, is the comeback from two 3-1 deficits. So the series isn't over until you get four W's. Portland's only got one. Don't be content just with one, because as we know, there's at the moment only 10% capacity at the the Rose Garden. So you're not going to have a tremendous home court advantage, not one like you would in, in years past. So just don't rest on your laurels that, oh, we're going home. We're going to pick up two because we haven't played well at home all season long. Take it a game at a time, respect your opponent, and come out just as desperate as they are. And and I think we're going to see a good result. Um, Sage, we have a couple fan questions and uh, I'd love to get your, your take Uh, first up from uh, Brandon Goldner at Goldner PDX on Twitter. He wants to know on a scale of one to 10, how encouraged are you by this game in particular?
1: You have to be encouraged because we, we didn't. What number though?
0: What? on a scale of 1 to 10 you got to give me a number
1: getting getting a dub in a, a, a rivals gym game one of the playoffs so it's not like a, a significant amount of uh excitement and feeling good about you know your our predictions of a blazers victory so i'd give it an 8 but you know like we we didn't play our most complete ball and we still won so a dub is a dub so i'm i'm very excited about it um yeah i i mean I, I want to answer your Norman Powell thing. I think a lot of our offense is predicated on the the DHO, the dribble handoff. I th- I felt like the center, when Norm would go up, he would they would deny Norm the ball on the DHO, so he would wrap around, and then another guard would initiate the the the, the, the possession. So I, I think that. That they'll see that Norm got less action than he should have on the DHO, especially with Michael Porter Jr. guarding him. But yeah, you got to feel good about the
0: the the victory. So, you know, I'm I'm gonna go six and a half. Um, That may seem like oh my god, what six and a half? I expected this. I I was talking, I was texting my mom, and she's like, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm like, I I feel good. I mean, everybody who listened to the podcast, I predicted a, a Blazer sweep. I felt a sense of calm uh, heading into this game, watching the, the three playoff games leading up to our nightcap. It was a sense of confidence that I hadn't had in the Blazers in an opening round since 99, 2000. You know, you're playing the Suns in 99. You're playing the Wolves in 2000. Like, we are the favorite. We should handle our business. It doesn't matter whether we're starting in Denver or in Portland. Given this Denver roster as it currently stands, we are the better team. We, we should do this. And, and we did do that. The reason the, the number is not higher is because of all of the reasons we've talked about. We came out, we had our bad habits that we've kind of carried over, got killed on the glass. We didn't get great games from CJ or Norm, but we still have Damian Lillard. Our bench played fantastic. Covington did all of the little things and we let Jokic get his, but he didn't get the others involved. Like, there's still ways the series could shift in either direction. So there's things for Portland to clean up that can make this an eight, nine, or 10. But, you know, Sage, if I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm, I'm a 10, a 10, I would be, you know, last year in the bubble where we were significant underdogs and we stole that game one against the Lakers. You're thrilled we just don't get swept at that point. Like this year, like I'm approaching it as, yeah, this is what we should do. We're a good fucking team. So. Six and a half for me, I think there's room for improvement. And I think that's a good thing because I hope that leads to us not coming into game two overconfident. And it's also good to know that our our ceiling continues to rise. There's still room for this team to grow. And we got another interesting question from uh, Dana uh, Ramoni. He says, with the late season play by Anthony and the first playoff game, Does he have more value staying with the team or as a trade asset in the offseason?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I didn't read this, so I'm – hmm. That's a very good question. I I feel like this was a huge mistake, but Neil promoted him like he was the, the golden child. I don't know if his production has outweighed the hype that Neil has built around Anthony yet. I think that if he talked about him like he did Gary Trent Jr. or something, this production that we're seeing that is really great would be more like people would be hyped about it. But because our expectations were so high in the way that he built Ant up to be something that I don't think he is. I think that negatively will affect his trade value because you can go on YouTube and you can go on Instagram to see how he was hyping him up like he was like 98 cannabis. This is next. This is next. Well, obviously, my favorite rapper isn't platinum plaques and all that. So, you know, hype is a bad thing sometimes when the person isn't ready for it. So I think that it would. I think he is more productive here in Portland, but if he continues to play like this, he can get he can get a lot more uh, potential trade offers.
0: I, I honestly think it's too early for me to answer that question. There's a couple factors that, that I would need to see. First is how far does this team go into the postseason? Do we make a Western Conference Finals, a Finals run? Then yeah, you, you keep him because you're you're really close to being champions do you exit out of the first round? And then now you're thinking, okay, how do we retool around Dame? You don't maybe, you know, having Anthony right now is honestly a luxury, a fourth ball handler, uh, a fourth shooter from, from the guard position, young, still a lot of room to grow. Uh, he is a luxury for the Blazers at this Cheap point. contract too. E- exactly. You know, still got another year or two left on that rookie deal. So it really just all depends on how the team plays the rest of the season. And, what, what's the trade package for? Are we talking about adding that? You know, you can't really do anything with Ant's player? salary. Like, yeah, th- it's going to be added to another player to bring that All Star back. Or are you talking about a straight one for one swap? I don't think the value is there for a one for one swap. But if it's that missing piece, maybe again, I would have to see the proposed trade and say, hmm, does Ant have more value? With us, or is this new player going to bring in more value? Uh, but I think first and foremost, it depends on how the team performs down down the stretch of, of the season and yeah, how the season concludes.
1: It's it's damn hard to trade someone on rookie scale contract for somebody that's established. Try try and play with the uh, trade machines using Ant as the only asset. it's difficult. So it has to be a two for one or a three for one type of trade.
0: All right, Sage, it's about time to get into our game two predictions. Who is your X factor? What are you most looking for? And who do you have winning game two, which is Monday night, 7. PM TNT and on NBC sports Northwest. The
1: late night hammer on Monday night. All right. Um, I think it I really think that CJ McCollum and Norman Powell will have much better more efficient games. I think that Norm I mean even Norm's shot attempts most of them were like open threes that just rimmed out or missed. So I I think that Norm is going to have a statement game and I think CJ I don't know if it was he was just wanting to attack because of the Michael Porter Jr. mismatch, but I think it once he watches tape and sees the open shots that he could have generated for his teammates, I, I think that those two are going to be pillars in the Blazers um, game, chance of a game two victory. I think those two are going to be huge. I, th- I think we have to play Joker very similar to how it was and then do adjustments. I think that we, we uh, have got into the help position really well on Joker uh, post-ups. If you watched it, we kind of built the wall around Joker. Like Yusuf was playing him post-defense, and then there was two or three Blazers ready to strip. It was just, you heard Harry say, help, help instead of double. So I think that they have their a plan and their b plan so uh it's really how denver adjusts to uh what we did but i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go denver victory so uh what about you are you still going for the clean sweep
0: i think my x factor i have two in the starting unit and in the finishing five it's robert covington you look at his stat line from game one, eight points, three of five shooting, two of four from downtown, you know, five boards, an assist, a block. Pretty pedestrian, right? He was a plus twenty-one, second only to Dames plus 25. He did a great job defensively on Aaron Gordon. He's kind of always roaming. I think. For him to help out rebounding the basketball is going to be uh, just huge. Mm -hmm. And if he can continue to hit those open threes, uh, maybe Portland relies on him a little bit more. So in the starting unit, it's Roko. I'm going to continue to kind of uh, blow the bench horn and call on the bench. Again, if we get good production, especially open looks from Carmelo and Anthony, you know, it's curtains, it's game over, get out the brooms. Denver's going to have no chance at defending a Blazer team when, when Mello and Ant are hitting open shots. And again, I, I don't think we're talking about a Blazer victory if they don't have the performance they do in that first half. What I'm going to look for is Portland's body language, their effort, their communication on defense. Are they going to match Denver's intensity? Can, can they, can they kind of weather that storm that's coming from the Nuggets to start that game? Because they are going to be hyped up. They know what's at stake. If Portland can do that, keep it close after game uh, quarter one, excuse me, I'll feel really good. That, then you can have Dame to really kind of assert himself on, on this game and kind of take over down the stretch. But Hey, I, I called a sweep uh, just a couple days ago on Thursday. I'm not changing my mind to anytime soon. Uh, Portland got the, got the win easier than I thought it was going to be. I think game two is going to be much more difficult, but I, I just think we're going to get better performances from really everybody uh, across the board. Maybe Nurkic doesn't have the night that he does, but uh, I'd be surprised if we're looking Monday night and and we see similar numbers for, from Powell and McCollum, I think they're going to raise their play Dame's just going to do what Dame does. They do not have the personnel to disrupt him. And Dame's just too good. Like we talked about it in, in many episodes past. Sometimes all it comes down to is we have Damian Lillard and you don't.
1: Mm. I mean, so that, but,
0: that's why I've got, I've got the Blazers winning game two coming home with a commanding two Oh lead.
1: I mean, if I'm a Denver fan, I'm like Michael Porter jr. Won't be that trash from three. So Denver, like this, this series isn't over. Michael no, plays so much better. Aaron Gordon can finish bunnies around the rim, so Denver still has like Denver can has to get ugly, but Denver still has ballers and the potential MVP of the league. So still of a, a a contest between both teams, but we will find out what happens. Or Monday night, the late hit night hammer. And for those that are interested in my. FanDuel wins versus losses, I profited a dollar twenty-three.
0: <laughs> Big baller.
1: Bro, well, I did I did hundred and fifty nickel lineups. So it it, it, it it was it's not a show off uh, type of type of contest I did. It was just the cheapest thi- thing I could do, but I entered the max amount.
0: Yeah, let our, let our yeah. listeners know uh no 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 know the deal.
1: All right. So we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Nothing But Net Radio, Dash Radio, Tuesdays 2 to 3, 4 to 5 Eastern. And if you listen this far, you're a real one. And I definitely want to thank Tara Bowen biggs for being our first guest in literally a year. Thank you to everybody who asked questions. Thank you to everybody who has interacted with us on Twitter. Y'all are real ones. We're here with you to uh, watch this team and enjoy the greatness that is Damian Lillard. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody.
0: Let's go!